Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. As always, before we get started, I would be eternally grateful if you would take just a couple moments of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others just like yourselves discover the content we create here. Also, if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's completely fine. The Mosaic Life Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, including Amazon and Pandora. Clicking subscribe is the best way to make sure you don't miss any future podcast episodes. And of course, I would like to welcome any and all new listeners to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My promise to you always has been and always will be to provide the highest quality content for you and your life. My guest today is Addie Spar Kim, and we have an incredible conversation about holistic health. And that word to me has always been fairly stigmatized and thinking that it was a woo-woo type of Eastern culture medicine that didn't apply to us here in the West. Well, we spend a good bit of time removing that stigma from the word, and it really reinforced my idea that happiness in itself is holistic. It's an approach that we take full circle from health, wellness, to our work, to our exercise, to every individual element of our lives. And Addie is doing her absolute best to instill that in her clients. Holistic wellness and healthy lifestyle expert Addie Spar Kim has been helping others heal their bodies for over a decade. As a mama of two very active boys, she's all too familiar with the art of life juggling while balancing that with her own self-care and healthy lifestyle and thrives on teaching others to do the same. Addie has a bachelor's and master's of arts in environmental policy and launched a green consulting business in 2008. A big part of her consulting business involved educating individuals and businesses on the importance of making eco-conscious consumer and lifestyle decisions to avoid or minimize risk to many toxic chemicals threatening human and planetary health. In 2011, she became a certified holistic health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Addie has supported numerous clients to better health by tuning into their individual body types and goals, and by offering guidance that is practical and easily achievable. I am so excited to have these grounded and intelligent conversations around health and wellness and happiness, and I hope you get the same benefit from them as I have. Please welcome my guest, Addie Spar Kim. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? midday for you <laughs> yeah it, it's well i still have one minute left in morning so uh, yeah that that works um all's good here how's good. everything back east everything's good it's uh it's a sunny ish day um probably probably in the 40s but it's not too bad i can't complain for november right yeah, yeah. how's everything <laughs> i feel like i keep asking all of my guests, how the weather is. And they, I, I don't know why I asked that question because it just makes me feel jealous. But I, I might as well ask you, how's everything uh, going weather-wise for you? We are having a lovely little warm-up. Um, not going to lie. Um, it's, a, it's a nice California day today. Um, but yeah, we have, we're having like a little Santa Ana wind warm-up come through. But it's, it's supposed to cool off. And then we're headed to Zion 
this weekend and it will be camping and it'll be like thirties at night. So it'll be quite a contrast for us. You know, I, I, I don't mind camping in the cold weather, especially overnight. I just, when it comes to being sweaty in my hammock or tent, I, 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 I don't know. I would just always rather have a nice warm sleeping bag as opposed to sweating, sweating out of every orifice in my body. I guess it's true. That's a good perspective for me to keep. I do not, I'm not someone that likes to be cold. Yeah. Um, so I'm having to do a lot of mental work to prepare for this, <laughs> but that, you know, you're right. It's true. It's better than being hot. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, speaking of weather, I was just talking with, uh, Kristen Kurtz and she was telling me how the morning that we spoke, she was out surfing in the ocean and I, I can't. I, I need to. I don't know. I need to. I need to make a move at some point in time. I need that. That. Uh, that bliss. That nirvana. Yeah, I will say it does make a big difference. I mean, having you know grown up in the Midwest and then lived in D.C. for you know almost fifteen years before moving here, um, and I hadn't been. I had lived in L.A. before, so I knew what it was like. Yeah. Um, but just being where we are where it's mellow and you're like right near the coast. It was, we did a lot of downsizing and changing our life to kind of be able to afford to do it. But it's so worth it because um, just the, you know, the reward you get from living in a place like this is so nice. Absolutely. And I'd actually like to dig into that a little bit, if you don't mind, you know, when you talk about downsizing and it seems like you, you did so for the sake of, you know, mental health and even more specifically happiness. I mean, what was that, you know, getting rid of some of the material goods or was that, you know, what did that downsizing look like? And what was the, what was the, I guess, end result in regard to your, your happiness and your, your mental state? Well, I mean, part of it involved selling homes that we owned. Yeah. Um, so there was a period where, you know, my husband's restaurant business back in, in DC was really thriving and we were able to do some investment properties and build like a mountain home. And, um, and all of those things were really great and some levels, but they also brought a lot of added responsibility. Sure. Um, so I think part of it was just sort of liquidating and downsizing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't live in a big house. We lived in a townhome in DC. So it wasn't like we were moving from like, you know, 4,000 plus square feet, you right. know, into a smaller home. You know, we, we really only downsized a little bit in that aspect, but I think it was more just, um, simplifying things on so many levels. Um, you know, we got here, we just have been renting since we yeah. got here because the cost is, of living is so high property values are just so high here. Right. Um, and so we just kind of had to also be okay with, you know, going from being homeowners and having a lot of assets to basically getting rid of a lot of things that we had, um, paying off car, you know, not having car payments, things like that. Um, so it was definitely a big shift and I, I felt so much more relieved in so many ways to have, it was liberating, I guess you Absolutely. could say. Yeah. That's incredible. Is that, um, is that something, is that an experience you'd recommend for everybody, you know, just picking up and, and you can say across the country, across the world, you have to have a very unique perspective from doing so, because I, I think a lot of people, and, you know, unfortunately, myself included, have lived their entire lives in, you know, generally one spot or one state, and they don't get that perspective of the Midwest to the East Coast to the West Coast, and, you know, just cultural differences within our own nation, you have to really have a unique perspective from doing that. 
Well, I can tell you that by the, when I graduated high school, I left um, Indiana. I moved to Colorado. From there, I moved to Hawaii. Then I moved to Northern California, back to Indiana, then to LA, yeah. then to Germany, back. So I've, I'm definitely one of those unique people that um, like I kind of thrive on the change and always picking up and going different places. And I know that not everybody loves doing like some people, you know, that's way too far out of their comfort zone. What has been really amazing, though, in opening myself up to those experiences is now I have friends in Absolutely. all different, you know, parts of the world, really. And, um, and I think it's, it tests your limits on a lot of things. And it forces you to you know, build new relationships and really, I guess, build a really strong relationship with yourself yeah. in a lot of ways, because you're going to a new place where you don't know anyone and you, you just have to try new things. Um, so I really recommend it because <laughs> I feel like I've learned so much every place that I go and you see the beauty in the world in so many different places. Um, but it, it does require like, you know, making some, doing some planning and making some sacrifices and, and saving and for it too. moving sure. is expensive. Um, so there's definitely some strategy around it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I really like, well, I, I love having the ability to have friends in different parts of the nation and in different parts of the world. And, you know, again, that opens up your worldview quite a bit more. And, and especially in a time where everybody wants to, you know, go head to head with every little detail, uh, whether or not that's politics or, or personal beliefs, you really have to have, I have to imagine, you know, you have the opportunity to see many different sides of many different arguments and find a much more level-headed approach to the issues that we're facing. I, I have to imagine that's the case. I think there's definitely an element of that, um, for sure. You know, you do get different perspectives everywhere and you have to, you know, build empathy, um, and respect for how people live differently. And it, it varies so much yeah. throughout our country. Um, and that's, what's kind of fascinating to me also having lived, you know, just a short time abroad. I think it's interesting to see where there's certain parallels even in different, um, you know, parts of Europe to maybe like how I grew up in the Midwest. But then if I go somewhere tropical, you know, then it feels like California. Um, yeah. So it's interesting from that perspective to kind of see where there are differences and where there are similarities. But I think ultimately, like what I've realized with this last transition is finding that place, that location that just fills you up yes. so much um, as a person and it just feels like home so that on your hardest days, you know, that you can go out and connect with nature, um, and feel supported in your space. Yeah. So that I think was a big thing for me. And we were trying to move to Southern California for six years before it actually happened. And each time we would visit here, I would really envision my daily life here. And so there was a lot of manifesting yeah. of the life before we ever even got here. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, it's certainly anecdotal, but when, let's, let's say you're looking to make a not inconsequential purchase, you know, it's always said, you know, leave it in your cart for a couple of weeks. If you keep thinking about it, if you keep coming back to it, then, you know, in essence, it was meant to be. So it sounds like you kept your mentally, you kept 
envisioning what it would be like to live there. You, you kept coming back to it. And so it just, it seems like it was a very fitting transition for you. And it, 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 it just, it makes sense for your life. Yes. And it's funny because the group of friends that we now have here actually joke that it seems like we've lived here more than three years because we just assimilated so easily. Our kids just meshed in, like transitioned into their school so well. Um, And we really built this amazing community and and we made a lot of connections and maybe because my husband and I are both entrepreneurs. So that's a little bit of it, but yeah, there, I mean, we have some friends that moved roughly the same time from other locations and they're like, wow, it's so funny. We would have guessed that you guys have been here way longer than we have. Um, but I think a lot of it was that like, we were spending time here before we moved and really just knew like deep in our core, this is where we want to be. Absolutely. You know, when we first talked, you you said something that is honestly, and I, I mean this truly, has stuck with me, and I, I've actually brought it up in multiple conversations since. When it comes to adding good in your life, the bad naturally falls away. And I think when we first talked about it, we were talking about health and nutrition, which we will absolutely get into momentarily. But I that that makes so much sense in the in the the grander scheme, especially when it comes to people, when it comes to your environment adding good into your life so the bad falls away. And it, it t- for you in, in that move, and I, I know I keep going back to it, but it sounds like it was a, a big moment in your life. You know, that, that was just adding so much good and positivity. And the way you talk about you know, your friends and, and the way that your children have intertwined with the children you, you live around, it just sounds like that was just adding a tremendous amount of good. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, not to get too much into personal stuff, but we had experienced quite a bit of loss um, during the years that we were living in DC, Uh, loss of loved ones, loss of businesses, you know, partnerships, all a lot of things that were really hard and really heavy. And, And so I think, you know, I don't want to paint this picture that like everything was going great. And then we just transitioned to something greater. There were a lot of hurdles to overcome, but I think it was that like knowing what the good for us looks like and really, you know, building a path to that and being super intentional. Um, and then being able to really realize that and, and make that a reality so that when you do get to that point, you're like, oh my gosh. And then all of that hardship and the traumas and the bad stuff um, does, you know, just like, you know, the nutrition side of it, it's like, it does start to fall off and then it gets replaced by the things that really do, you know, make you feel whole inside and make you feel supported. Um, So that was really important too, I think, because we had had, you know, this wave of loss happen. Um, and so it was, it was almost, this move was almost like a healing process right. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, it's, 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 I'm glad that you're, it sounds like you were able to find yourself in a place where I, I don't know if I'd call it solace, but you're just, you're, you're happy now. And you know, it's that, that positivity is driving you forward. And especially in your pursuits, we, which we hinted at a moment ago, 
has a lot to do with health and wellness nutrition. So I would love to really get into that, you know, making that transition in regard to your, your, your diet and your lifestyle. What does that mean to you when you talk about adding good into that? So that, so that bad falls away. So let me see if I can, yeah, talk, talk through this um, yeah. because there's so many things I could I dive into with that question. Um, you know, I think just to give a little background, I think for me, it, you know, we all have our own personal journeys in this world, right? We all come in with um, our own bio individuality, our own DNA makeup, all of these things. And we have all these different sensitivities. Um, some of us, you know, more to some things than others. Um, and when it comes to how we take care of our bodies, there are definitely certain things that all of us need, right? We need this foundation of a rainbow of fruits and vegetables, micronutrients um, to support our healthy cells. We need macronutrition um, that are the building blocks that help give us energy and you know move through the day. Um, so there are all of these different pieces, but then there are all these other little nuances within our bodies, right? Um, that we have to really learn. And I think, you know, what I have become really passionate about is helping people find that foundation of good health that we all need, but then also paying attention to that, you know, to those nuances, to our bio individuality and doing tweaks so that you're really creating a space where your body is thriving um, and functioning as functioning as optimally as, as possible. Um, and that does require some different things, um, for different people. But what I have found through my own health journey, which is what led me to being a health coach is once you kind of get that foundation down, then you can really dig into those, you know, the nuances. And then it really is about just adding the things that really support what your body's constitution needs. And when you start doing that, you see this big shift. So maybe it's your palate changes because you've been adding more greens into your diet when you didn't really love vegetables before. And you're finding like, huh, they're not so bad. And I'm actually craving more of them. Yes. Um, or you're taking out dairy, um, but you're also adding a lot of other things that feel good to you. And so you're like, oh, I didn't really need that. Um, so you are taking some things out, but you're really, it's about like, you're adding a lot of the good so that you're, you kind of naturally do this shift. Um, so that's sort of how, how I see it. I don't know if that answers, it does. you know, yeah. kind of what you're going with it. Absolutely. And so a, a couple of things, you know, when you met, when you say health coach, can you kind of give me a definition of that? Because, you know, when I think of, I don't know, tell me, is it the same as nutritionist? Is it, is it a, a much grander scope? So you're not just dealing with nutrition, but you're also talking about, you know, fitness, exercise, and other elements of, of, of your life. Talk to me a little bit more about what health coaching looks like for you. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and and it, the definition may vary a little bit um, depending on, you know, who you're talking to and what their background is. So my certification is in holistic health coaching, which is really whole body support. Um, so there's an emotional and a physical component to what I do. Um, it's different than, you know, if I was like a trained dietitian, which typically looks at like how many calories are in something. Um, and you know, it's a much more almost like a mathematical approach, I would say yeah. to nutrition. Um, 
so, and then it's probably a blend of like, you know, kind of a more traditional nutrition degree, which is, you know, all about eating healthy, um, but maybe doesn't get into as much of like the, um, the mind body connection as right. much as like a holistic health coach does. Um, so, so like m- the school that I went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition, what I always loved about their philosophy is they talk about primary and secondary foods and primary foods are not just what we put on our plate. It's really, you know, your relationship, spirituality, um, your, your career fulfillment, um, plus, you know, your physical movement and how you're nourishing your body. So it's like a pie basically. Right. And there are all these different little pieces that you have to really look at and have the full scope in order to really support people and making lasting changes. That's kind of how I see it. Um, is, you know, this is about establishing a healthy lifestyle. It's not like, Oh, just eat this for the next eight weeks and let's see if you lose weight or, you know, it's not micro changes. It's really looking, um, at the whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I want to ask this question because it, what everything you just said is ex- extremely practical. They are things for the most part that I've been practicing in my own life for the last four or five years. But to me, and I'm hoping that you can help me shift my my perception of this word. When you say holistic, I think a lot of people have a negative stigma, you know, thinking that may be kind of a, a woo-woo word. And I, I don't think that's the case. And I think the way you just said it, like I said, is extremely practical. And I loved hearing everything you said. Do you see that a lot? Or is that just my own personal, you know, bias? No, I think that there's definitely stigma around it. And I think that because people don't really know what that means, right. um, it does sort of lend itself to, you know, n- not the mainstream, right? right? And someone like me probably gravitates towards that because I've had to do so much like experimental um, healing and alternative medicine practices to to deal with my own health challenges. Yeah. So someone like me might gravitate towards that, but I could definitely, I definitely have had, you know, some resistance or, you know, maybe just not in enthusiasm around a holistic approach because, um, because it does get kind of deep, right? It, It actually is looking at what are your habits, but also what are your preconceived notions around certain things? Like what is so ingrained in you that is preventing you from making some of the changes that you need to, to improve your health? Um, so, I, I do think that you're right, that there's kind of this like woo-woo stigma around it, but then also it might feel almost invasive to some people who aren't willing to really dig deep and take a look at what is going on here from an emotional standpoint, as well as a, as like a behavioral standpoint point. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me. And I, I honestly am as pragmatic as they come and, you know, thinking about how I have gone out of my way to optimize my sleep, to taking care of my gut health, to quitting alcohol, quitting sugar, to meditation and exercise. I mean, that is, that is in essence what you're saying. That is holistic. It's just that label that I, I guess, for whatever reason, I've refused to put on it in my own mind uh, over the last several years that it just, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's funny when I listen to you describing those that like, I almost in, I can envision a circle 
right? Like a spiral moving. And so that's really how I look at this word holistic, right? It is this, like I said before, the whole body support. But if you think of it almost like a spiral moving where you're, you're moving through these different approaches and these different changes and it's, it's dynamic. It's never static because our bodies are also always changing. The environment around us is always changing. So maybe if we kind of take that lens to it, it feels more palatable. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I I love that. And you know, you said something a little bit ago, talking about taking a unique approach to your clients and their health. And I think that's so important because I'm not well versed in medicine today, but it seems to me, especially when it comes to pharma and drugs and opioids and, you know, whatever else you can pop in your mouth for an easy fix, people just expect you to be able to, you know, beat whatever problem you're having over the head with whatever, you know, pill there's available to you. But each person is so unique and so individual, you have to really create those, those unique programs for each person. And I just, maybe, you know, it's not, that's not scalable from, you know, a doctor's standpoint, but from a standpoint of the, the way that you take things, that has to be the case. And I mean, how, how important is, is it to you to work with your clients individually to come up with something that is so custom that it just really would not, you know, fit with anybody else within that, within that spectrum? Well, that's a good question um, because I've actually kind of floated back and forth between really customized one-on-one coaching to more program-based sure. um, to even, you know, I don't know, challenges, you know, where maybe they're just focusing on one particular habit, um, right. things like that. So I, it, for me, I kind of like to have different options, right? Because for some people, they're also at all different spectrums, right? Some people are more um, self-motivated. So it might be that I can just hand them, you know, a few things to do and they can jump in and do it. Um, Other people really need more handholding and a a much more one-on-one approach. Um, So it it really just kind of depends on the person. Some people, you know, can you know, just kind of like jump into one of my programs and get the daily emails and just sort of run with it. Um, so it, it does vary. And that's why I like to offer a variety of options for people because like, I'm someone who I'm like, just, you know, give me a couple things and I'll go try it out and, and do it and, and kind of, you know, do my own integration of it. Um, but I, I definitely recognize that other people really want it like really mapped out. Um, so I think you, I think in this space, you kind of have to be able to shift between and, and offer both. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so to dig a little bit more deeply uh, into, you know, some of the, I guess the, the, the types of programs that you offer, you mentioned, you know, just very specifically, you mentioned, you know, cutting out dairy a, a little bit ago, you know, what are some of those programs that you're, you're offering your clients, you know, what is some of the advice that you really feel that most, if not all people can, can benefit from, you know, whether or not that's dairy or whether or not that's, you know, cutting out sugar or whatever that would be. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the dairy topic because I've considered cutting dairy out of my life previously. I, I, I've not done so, but I've heard just wonderful things about the way people feel when they, when they, they take that out of their, their diets. Okay. So I'll, I'll, 
I'll try to give the high level and then we can talk about that specifically yeah, that a little bit too. Cause I love to talk about all this stuff, but um, <laughs> so what, I mean, so this kind of goes back to that very beginning part of our conversation where it's about adding the good, right? So yeah. like one of the programs that I love and I personally practice um, and honestly, everything that I coach people on are things that I have integrated into my life or changes that I have made right. um, at one point or continue to do today because of different things that have come up. Um, so I just wanted to get make that clear. Like I'm never recommending something that I have not personally tried myself. Right. Um, and that's really just important to me because I want to, you know, I want to, I want to know that there, that someone can get results from it. Um, so one of the things, for example, that I do usually probably three or four times a year is like roughly every quarter, I'll lead this like whole body reboot. So it's a 10 days of, you know, eliminating a lot of things that don't service. It's, you know, eliminating gluten, sugar, dairy, alcohol, um, getting to sleep on time, you know, committing to a certain amount of exercise within that period, hydrating, and then adding a bunch of good. So um, using a plant-based protein powder um, that, that has you know, become a big tool in my health coaching practice, as well as concentrated whole foods, which are really replenishing your body and giving you that good foundation of health every single day, but in a very convenient, affordable way. Right. Um, so I kind of take all of those. Um, and this is a program that was initially developed by this company that where I get, you know, the whole food concentrates and the protein powder. Um, but then I kind of add in my own elements to that. And so it's, you know, for, I really look at this as like the oil change for the bot for our bodies. Yeah. I, I always use this analogy. Our, our bodies are high performance sports cars. So you're a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or, you know, whatever it is, um, that, you know, your favorite sports car and you would not just go and put in, you know, the cheapest gas if you had that car, right? But what a lot of us are doing is we're treating our our bodies like, you know, they're like a beat up car and we're not giving them the highest fuel. We're yes. not changing the oil like we should um, and doing these kind of, you know, check-ins and tune-ups in the way that really helps us like thrive optimally. So that's a lot of like what I like to work with people on is like, okay, you know, life is super busy and we have a million things going on all the time, but it's really important to take time at certain times of the year, especially, and really give our bodies what I call just the total reboot. Yeah. Um, so that's just one example. Yeah. I, I love that. I love, I, I love the idea of drawing that parallel between a car and our bodies. And that's, that's, it makes it so much more tangible to really think about how we can take care of ourselves in the same way that we take care of anything that we care about. I, 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 I hate when people say I can, you know, sleep when I'm dead or, you know, that, that whole mentality of, you know, only getting three or four hours of sleep at night, just anything in regard to our, our health or wellness that has such a detrimental long standing effect on the way that we we feel day to day in the way that you know the the way it shapes our health well into the future. So I really love I, I love that concept of, of a reboot of, of taking care of yourself the way you would take care of a car, for example. That's that's absolutely perfect. 
Well, and and it's like if you think about you know the long like think about it all from a longevity perspective. I think you know it's 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 sort of this weird moral dilemma I have because there's one part of me that is so into living in the present, right? right? From, you know, an emotional standpoint, from a philosophical standpoint, and not getting hung up on the past or, you know, forecasting possibly negative things in the future that's creating all this anxiety. Um, but when it comes to our health, I think that you really have to think of the long term, and you really have to be making choices every single day for longevity. And, you know, a lot of this has become much clearer to me because of personal experiences. So I mentioned before that, you know, back in when I was living in DC early on in, in my relationship with my husband, I mean, he lost his mother to colon cancer. And then just a few years after his father died of um, complications that resulted from type two diabetes. And they were very young. I feel like, you know, to leave our lives and the earth at the point that they did. And so it was a really big wake up call yeah about our daily habits. And so I think, you know, we all get different perspectives from our different life experiences, but that ultimately, along with some of my own health challenges and, and some that, uh, that my oldest was going through as a baby were what really like catapulted me into this whole other level of thinking of like, wow, you know, it, another good analogy I like to, to use is like, think of it as like, a savings account, right? Yes. Your health yeah. savings account, not the one that our employers <laughs> give us, or we, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. to take a certain amount of deferred income and put in there. Like this is your body has its own savings account. And when you are, you know, super stressed and you're um, not eating well and not exercising, not hydrating, not doing all these things, you're putting lots of acidic foods in your body at a certain point, like you're, withdrawing your savings and you're not putting, and if you're not putting anything back in, you're going to hit zero at some point. And it's either going to result in a major health crisis or possibly death, you know, and I hate to be so blunt about it, but I just feel like there's sort of, um, an illusion maybe that a lot of us have that like, you can continue to just do certain things, um, without any, uh, repercussion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think it was Richard Branson. He, I heard him on a podcast say something along the lines of either alcohol or, or drinking alcohol bars. Drinking alcohol today borrows happiness from tomorrow, or something along those lines. And in retrospect, I, I, I haven't had a drink in just over a year now. And you're absolutely right in the the art desire to be short sighted and. I used to, you know, in my 20s, I could bounce right back. I'm in my th- mid-30s now, and that that's just not the case anymore. And I got to a point where I didn't want to have my tomorrow affected by my decisions in a negative way today. And so that's, that was just, when I looked at it from an equation standpoint or a formula, formulaic standpoint, it, just, it was made perfect sense to me. It, it was a no-brainer. And so that's, I mean, I don't know, are people, the people you work with, how, let me just ask you this in a way that you posed it to me previously, you know, how good do you want to feel? What work are you willing to put in today? So you feel good tomorrow and how, how, how often do you deal with that? Well, all the time. Right. And it yeah. goes back to that, that spectrum. And so I really have to 
dig deep to figure out where is the threshold of change for people. Right. Um, some people say, okay, you know what? I'd be willing to try X, Y, and Z, but I, I can't give up my coffee habit. I can't give this up. I'm like, okay, so then let's tweak it a little bit, right? right. Um, so, you know, one thing that I become really you know, interested in and passionate about is, is gut health and the microbiome. Yes. So figuring out how do we create this restorative balance, um, a healthy balance in there because 70% of our immune system is in our gut. And so we really have to do the things that are going to keep that super stable because it's going to impact every other aspect of our total health. Um, so let's say coffee, for example. So if someone doesn't want to give up their coffee habit, I'm like, okay, well, what if you just didn't drink it first thing in the morning? You know, I'm really big on like, let's create as alkaline an environment as possible first thing in the morning. So that could look like, you know, having some lemon water or, um, you know, drinking tea and herbal tea, something in the morning, that's just kind of letting your digestive system wake up and then have breakfast, get those enzymes working and then have your coffee, you know, and that's tricky for people because it's such a ritual and people just wake up and they want to have their coffee, but it can actually create a lot of negative health effects. Um, I had to give up coffee, um, because it was causing all kinds of problems for me and it was really hard. I mean, I was fully addicted. Right. I love the taste of it. It was a ritual. Like, you know, I'm never going to say that any of these things are necessarily easy. Some are easier than others. We become, sometimes these habits become like part of our persona. So it becomes really hard, but you know, it, but I, I really love what you said of like, you know, is it worth doing all these things today? Is it, what is it taking away from my future? Right. Um, so did you find that like, you know, was there one, was it just kind of like your own deep dive that, that convinced you to make that change or what ultimately was it that you were, that made you give it up? And then, and is it something that you think you'll never go back to that, that I'm always curious <laughs> about too. And it'd be fun to talk about, you know, the yeah. moderation component of things. Well, there's a lot to get into right there. Um, the, the to answer your last question first, I don't like to say never. Um, I, I I don't know where I'm going to be uh, in, in a couple hours versus where I'm going to be in ten years. I'd like to give myself the best possibility to have my have a life ten years from now. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to drink again. I just I I, I don't have that answer. I don't want to shut myself off to it, but I will say the further removed I am from the last time I took a drink, the, the more I'm capable of accomplishing, the more I, the, the more ambitious I become, which is really the main reason why I decided to stop drinking. Um, to, to, I guess to get into the genesis of it a little bit more, there's, there's one very specific instance. Um, I, I was camping a few years ago, speaking of camping, and uh, it was it was just outside this small town in Ohio uh, called Yellow Springs, and we, we rode our bikes to this brewery, and we had a lot of beer. And I remember having a conversation with with a friend of mine. This is, this is very anecdotal, but we were talking about life and physics, and I, I blurted out, oh, you know, there's a lot of science around whether or not we're living in a simulation, and he just kind of looked at me, and he is a physics teacher 
in a school system. So, I mean, he's not, you know, an unintelligent guy. And he looked at me and said, you know, really, you know, prove it or, or something along the lines. And I just, I remember not being able to pull any sort of detail from anything that I'd read. And I just, I know when I am drinking, I don't have the capability to have deep and intelligent conversations. And, you know, like this conversation right here, it's something that I really enjoy doing and that it, it, it just inhibits my ability to think clearly. And so I remember at that point in time thinking, you know what, maybe alcohol is not the best thing for me. And so fast forward a little bit, I, you know, went on a couple benders. It, my, my buddy was getting married from between his uh, bachelor party and his rehearsal dinner. It was just, it was not a good outlook for me. The, the next couple of days, I was just not feeling like myself. And so last October, I think 8th, 17th or 18th, actually at the wedding, I decided to not drink that night. And I remember seeing everybody dancing and having fun and just me standing on the outskirts thinking, okay, you know what, I'm going to take a year off, one year, and I'm going to see how many of my goals I can accomplish in that year time frame. And I, I, from there, I set a, I set 10 big goals that I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, since then, it's just it's been me hustling and working as hard as I possibly can to do the things that I've always told myself I was going to do, but I always put them off because there were other priorities in my life, you know, such as drinking, going out, having fun. And so to, to answer your final question, in regard to moderation, I've actually had this conversation with a few people on this podcast, and I, I think I'm, I'm undecided on the outcome of it. I don't know that moderation exists, at least for me. When it comes to alcohol, I, I can't, I, I shouldn't say I can't, I, I very rarely am capable of having one glass of wine. That glass of wine turns into a bottle, and that's, it was never, you know, a, a huge problem for me. I never got a DUI or arrested anything for that, like that, but it just, it was inhibiting what I wanted to do. And so I, I don't know that moderation exists, and I would love to get your insight on that because it's something that's the jury's very much out on, but uh yeah, that's generally been my story over the last couple of years. And that, that is why I quit. Well, I want to ask one quick question yeah. of the 10 goals that you set. How many have you been able to achieve? Well, unfortunately, I didn't foresee COVID happening. So they, they I, several of them got postponed. Um, I, you know, one of them was paying off my student loans. I did that. Uh, another one was uh, rebuilt, buying an old mountain bike and, and, uh, rebuilding it. And I'm in the process of doing that. One of them was going on a, you know, silent meditation retreat. Unfortunately, you know, gatherings aren't exactly happening right now. So that is still something I've been wanting to do for several years and something that I, I told myself I was going to do this year. It is something that I, I fully intend to do because from the people I've spoken with who have done so, they just, it's been groundbreaking for them. And that's an experience that I, I would really like. And I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other ones that I had on there. It's been a little while since I visited that list, but I have accomplished a handful of them, which I'm, I'm quite proud of. Oh, the biggest one was reading 52 books in a year, and I was able to do that, and I, I, it was a very good experience. Wow, that is really impressive. Um, so well, that's what, one a week? That, that was one a week, yeah. Them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I, I love books. I love collecting them, and I, I got to a point where I realized, you know, these books look great, but I don't know what's in them. And so, uh, you know, setting that goal was just it allowed me to get through them. Well, so uh, everything that you just said is so cool. And um, I, you know, I want to commend you on like really deciding that you were going to make a change and then also having a time commitment for it, because I think that's also one of those things that gets really tricky, right? Is 
you know, we, we want to change certain habits that we know aren't serving us, but it's hard when there's looseness around it, I guess. And if you don't really commit to a certain time period just to start out. And I think, you know, just the fact that you're recognizing, like, you don't know that it's going to be forever that, you know, you're going to give up alcohol, but for right now, this is what, you know, feels like the right thing for what you need. And I think that was, you know, for me, with giving up coffee. Yeah. Interestingly, I tried to reintroduce coffee um, during COVID year because the world has been crazy. And, you know, there was a period where my kids were home 24 seven and we were trying to do school and do things. And I was losing my mind a little bit and, um, and I was exhausted and I was like, you know, maybe I should try coffee again. Yeah. So I did try integrating um, like bulletproof coffee, you know, which yeah. is, um, Dave Asprey. And like, I've gotten really into the, all the biohacking stuff. And so I was like, okay, maybe let me see if I can do this. And, you know, I was able to tolerate a little bit, but then what I noticed is like after a period of time too, too much. And I, I went right back into like having these negative um, reactions. Like I did, you know, 15 years ago when I gave it up. So now I'm kind of back off of it, maybe just like an occasional decaf, um, especially in fall, because it's it's cold. It's like I have this romantic idea or like romantic relationship, I would say, with coffee and like a latte, you know, where yeah, there's just do, like yeah. something about it. You know, it's like we ha- yeah. this is why we get into these like addictions or whatever we have, right? It's like there's usually like an emotional component around it. But anyway, so I've been working around that. But I do think it's interesting because I do think that um, – once you really like make some of these changes that get your body to feeling really good, then you can reintroduce certain things, you know, back. And maybe this is maybe moderation isn't always the right word, right? Right. Because that almost makes it sound like, well, you can do it. I, you know, there's that saying you can everything in moderation. And I've caught myself saying this, but, but you're right. It isn't necessarily everything in moderation. It's really finding what the balance is for you. Um, and that might mean eliminating it completely or just like in small doses. Um, and so whether it's, you know, any of these things, sugar, dairy, gluten, alcohol, caffeine, all of these different, I guess what could be, you know, in some cases a vice, um, or a habit, however, how, whatever role it plays, you have to almost really look at each of these things and figure out, you know, is what's the cost benefit analysis, right? Yeah. Like, is it my instant gratification that is more important to me? So I'm going to keep doing these things, even though I probably don't feel great when I do it, or would I rather avoid it so that I can have more consistency in how I feel? Right. Um, and that varies. I know for me, sometimes I'll, I'll go on, like I have this black licorice, um, addiction. So when I'm not like really big into sweets in general, um, anymore, and I've had to give up so much of them because it just, my body's just so sensitive to sugars, but like every now and then I'm just like stressed or something happens and I will just like go on a binge of whatever it is. Um, but I also will then like quickly course correct after and do some of the things I need to do to, to feel good. But I, I think it's okay to recognize that we're all human. This isn't really about you know, creating a life of perfection, that's never going to happen. And I never want any of my clients to feel like that's what they're, they're going for. What they're really doing is looking for this, like 
symbiosis, right? It's this equilibrium and, and making sure that, you know, the pendulum as it's moving is moving in all the right directions and, and helping you feel stable. Um, so that's just kind of another analogy to really think about all these different pieces because it's not about deprivation. It's really about like what your experience clarifies is it's about doing the things that are going to help you, you know, thrive and interact in the way that you really want to and not wake up with like all these regrets about something you did or how you feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You touched on a couple of important points in there. And one of those is setting that baseline. You know, you talk about your experience with coffee and trying to reintroduce it into uh, your diet or your life. But over the last, I think you said, 15 years in, in, in which you have not been drinking coffee, you've been setting a new baseline for yourself and, and the way you feel. And so when you, to me, it sounds like when you reintroduced it, you're disrupting that baseline and you realize that it really wasn't adding the value that you thought it had in the past. I mean, is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. And And the thing is, I think you can get really creative. I mean, what I have done instead is found substitutes. Yeah for what that feeling I want to have, you know, so for example, right now I'm drinking this adaptogenic coffee alternative and I steam some oat milk and I put some honey in it. So it feels like a coffee drink. It's, you know, it's warm and it it has that like coziness to it, um, which is what I crave, but it is, you know, it has ashwagandha and it has um, rhodiola and like amazing herbs that actually are supporting my body in so many positive ways. Um, and so it's little changes like that sometimes that I just want people to, to get open to, um, and see, you know, if you can find even a substitute that allows your ritual to stay there, but it's not depleting. It's actually could even be, um, nourishing and supporting your body in a way you didn't even know. Yeah. I love that. Um, so you said biohacking a little bit ago, and I have a very strong fascination with biohacking. I've done a bit of my own through supplementation, uh, through you know sleeping and whatnot. What, how how deep into that rabbit hole have you gone? And you know what experiences have you had? What successes or failures have you seen uh, through trying to? I don't know if manipulate is the right word, but to enhance your body through, you know, that, that, uh, that methodology. Oh, this is so fun to talk about. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm really still kind of surface level with it and getting deeper, you know, with time. Um, but so even back in DC, you know, there were some things that I was, trying through this integrative, um, doctor that I was going to even just basic things like infrared sauna and things, you know, where, um, hyperbaric oxygen chamber, like some of these things where we're really just like getting to a deeper level of detoxification, um, you know, red light therapy, you know, to kind of reduce inflammation, things like that. Um, and then over the last year, there's actually a really cool um, place called Fitness Genome that's just down the street from me, and they have a lot of the biohacking technologies. Um, so they do have the infrared sauna, they have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, they also have this um, pulse um, bed, I guess you would call it, and 
It's PEMF technology. I think I'm saying it right. Pulsing electromagnetic frequency. So okay. it's, um, you know, for people who are familiar with like TENS machines or beamers or things like that, it's similar, but it's like, you know, the charge is probably up to 60 times the strength as some of these, um, you know, more household type of, pro- of products. Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of treatments on that. Um, cryo is something that I've gotten into. And, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, I really do not like to be cold. I, I like, I'm one of those people that like my, my fingers go numb, my yeah, toes go numb. Yeah. Like even in, even in Southern California, when it's like 55 degrees, right. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> you know, from a circulatory perspective, like I'm just one of these more wispy people. I'm a Vata in Ayurveda, if that means anything to anyone. So it's like, I'm always cold. I always have to find ways to warm up, yeah. but so this is, was like a big challenge for me to go in to this freezer, basically that's like minus 130 degrees for, you know, up to a certain amount of time. I think my max so far is four minutes. Um, I know people who've gone like eight or I think one person that goes there, I don't even did like 15 or 20 minutes, um, which is wow to me. Um, but I'll watch, you know, the people that do like the ice chest baths and the whole idea is this like, you know, kind of the shock, but, but there's a therapeutic component to it, right? It's, it's, you know, getting your metabolism working more, it's helping burn fat. Um, and then just getting your body, you know, really awakened, like the clarity that I have when I come out of that cryo chamber is amazing. Like I could be, you know, having like brain fog or just like a sleepy day. And I go into the, into the cryo and it's like, wow, like, fired up and ready to go. Um, so I, there's just like a lot of cool benefits to doing these different things and pushing our body, um, to the limits. And, and so back kind of to like that bulletproof coffee by Dave Asprey, who's like big, you know, biohacking proponent, um, and, and, you know, has just done a lot in that area. You know, it's the same thing kind of with even some of the foods that you can kind of put into your body. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I will say that I like, I'm still, you know, being educated in a lot of these aspects, but I do, I have really seen the results for myself in trying some of these different modalities. And then also for, you know, my clients, even my kids, like, you know, my kids keep our wild little boys. And so they, often have injuries. And like, even this week we were there, you know, my, my youngest sprained his ankle. So I took him to the biohacking place and like, we put the the paddles for this pulse machine on his foot to really like stimulate healing it, you know, it penetrates deep to the cellular level. So it's, it's really like a whole communication system, you know, that we don't even tap into in our own bodies. And then also this grounding element, right? Like we're made up of ions and it's really important that we do some grounding to really, again, like come back to that idea of like maintaining our equilibrium. Absolutely. I, I, all, everything you just said was amazing. And I'll, I'm going to have to dig a lot deeper into uh, some of the, the newer things that I'm not familiar with, but I have always had a fascinating with a fascination with, um, cryotherapy. There's actually a facility right down the road for me who offers it. And I just, I've never done it. Now that said, I do take cold showers every single day, but obviously that pales in comparison to actually doing cryo. But uh, I, I, I love the idea and I, I'm, 
I'm really now I'm going to push myself to 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 actually go do it because the way you made it sound sounds incredible. Well, and there are different types of of cryotherapy. So I do know some people that have had not so great experiences with it, um, depending on how it's set up. And, you know, so it's good to really like kind of research and and find out um, and look at the reviews and things like that. Um, but yeah, I really am a, am a proponent. I mean, you know, I feel like my next step is to like go do these like polar plunges or something yes, like that. Yeah. But even, even the cold shower, it's funny since I started doing cryo, I have been forcing myself to do some of that, like, you know, a couple minutes of like in really cold water in the yeah. shower just to wake yourself up. And, um, yeah, I think any of those things that you can do is great, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's, just, we're just starting to get, uh, the cold weather here. So my water's getting colder and colder and it's, it sucks, but at the same time, it's amazing. So I, I am looking forward to that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think that, you know, cause then, then you have the reward, right? You can right. do that and then you can get the warm up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. One, uh, really one more big question I want to ask you before we start to wrap up here. Uh, when it comes to parenting, you were just talking about your kids you know, how important is it for parents to model healthy habits, especially in their children as they're coming up, um, you know, whether or not that's diet, nutrition, health, wellness, whatever, you know, all encompassing areas you want to include, but how important is that to you? How, how often do you try to instill that in parents, uh, new parents or, you know, old parents alike? Well, it has become probably the the one of the biggest focuses in my coaching practice, honestly. Um, so a lot of what I do is, is almost is a lot of support for women, especially middle age, you know, who are already mothers and, and kind of moving into this transition, especially into midlife and menopause and, you know, the body is changing so much, but then it's also supporting this mindset of modeling the right behaviors. Um, so that our kids really have the tools to be successful in all areas of their life. And I think one of the things that I realized is through my own health journey is, you know, my mom was a great mom, like, and she, you know, really emphasized, you know, the importance of nutrition and cooked healthy meals for us. But I think that, you know, even the concept of what was healthy when I was a child has changed so much. Um, the, the world has also changed yes. dramatically. We have, you know, over 80,000 chemical man-made chemicals that have been introduced into our environment. There are in our, um, household products, um, beauty products, cleaners, um, in the food that we eat in our water, in our air, all of these things, um, that we're exposed to every single day. So I think part of it for me is also getting parents to recognize that there is an environmental toxin component that we have to have an awareness about because when you have children, they're small. Yeah. They can't necessarily filter out things the way that our bodies can once they've matured. And so it makes them even more susceptible and you know, can pose a greater risk um, to their little growing bodies. So for me, it's like this, again, it's kind of going back to that spectrum of health. And so there's like this idea of like really creating consciousness and awareness from as early on as you can, and then really set being a role model, but then also 
setting boundaries. And so this is hard for a lot of parents. I think it's hard. Um, I, I think we're kind of in this new era of like parenting where we want to empower our kids and we want them to make choices, but we almost sometimes don't set boundaries or don't give our kids consequences in the same way, maybe than in generations past. Um, so I, like in my household, my kids have a lot of flexibility and freedom to do a lot of things, but there are certain non-negotiables. Their non-negotiables are that they have to get these concentrated whole foods in their body every single morning yeah. with an omega and a probiotic. Like they, they have to do that. And we talk about why it's important for their bodies. They're active. They want to play. They also want sweet treats and they want other things. And so I think it's not just modeling, but also explaining to your kids and helping them understand how this is self-care for them and how those habits are going to really just make them stronger and, and grow healthier and be able to do all the things that they love as kids. So we have these conversations all the time in my household. And there are days where, you know, one of my kids isn't feeling great or a little bit run down, um, or maybe they get a sniffle or allergy or something. And they're like, okay, mom, you know what? I feel like having this for dinner, or can I have some of the extra, you know, plant concentrates or like, they're really starting to make that connection just at, you know, at eight and 10. I mean, and this has been going on for a couple of years now. So I, I don't think that, you know, it's ever too soon. Um, and it's also never too late to really instill healthy habits and, and make your kids understand why it's so important. I mean, you know, you would the way that our food has evolved. There's a statistic that um, that I often refer to, and there's been these studies done. You would need to eat 26 roughly apples or something like 20 peaches today to equal the same nutrient value as one like 100 years ago. <laughs> That's insane. It's insane, That's right? Crazy. And so yeah. when you think about that, like it goes beyond just the like, oh, eat a couple carrots or eat a couple apples and you're going to be fine. Like you got to have the rainbow. You got to yeah. have all of these different things and with kids and their pickiness. Like I get it. My youngest one is super picky. He would love to just survive on bacon and <laughs> any white foods, yeah. you know, yeah. mostly bread, mostly bread. He's just like a bread guy. Um, and he's not a big eater in general. Um, and so we really have to negotiate. It's not easy. We have a lot of battles around it. But as time goes on, I see him making more healthy choices, expanding his palate little by little every single year. And I can only hope that that is going to continue to grow and evolve as he gets older. And then also you're setting that foundation before kids get into their teens, once they're teens, like every parent I know that has teens already is like, yeah, forget about it. (laughs) Whatever you did, like do it now because you know, when they become teenagers, they're just going to be like, whatever mom and dad, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. So I also kind of have that in my mindset of like, okay, let's build this really good foundation right now. So hopefully when they get into that rebellious teenage mode, they're going to, you know, maybe reject it for a little bit, but then they'll come back to it, which is, a lot of what I did, you know, I like had this kind of good foundation, rejected a lot of it, middle school, high school. And then I really felt the impact of it in early college days. 
And so then I had to really get on this course correction path, um, but it was long and it was miserable. Um, so I want my kids to have an awareness now so that they will know how to course correct yeah. when it, when they need to do it. And I, what you said, it was, it was absolutely perfect and, and so true. It's never too soon. And just as importantly, it's never too late. And I, I fear that a lot of people think that it's too late for themselves to, to start taking care of themselves. And that's, that's just, that's, that's wrong. I mean, you can start today. Um, and I, that's, I think that's extremely important. Yeah. I mean, no matter what age, yeah, it's never too late. And I, and I do think that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times it does take a health scare yeah. in order, you know, to make some real changes. Um, but I, I do think that it, it, you know, and no matter where you are in life, it just really prioritizing our health. I always say our health is really our wealth, right? If, yeah. if you took our health away, none of the other things that we've worked so hard for in life matter. You can't enjoy them. Um, and so it's really important to really keep that perspective and try to, you know, take good care of yourself so that you are living out your best life and living it to the fullest and, and having the freedom really to do all the things that you really love. Yeah. Um, because when, when your health becomes very bad, you lose that freedom, you lose your mobility. Um, and it can also really impact you on a financial level. So I think it's really important for us to, you know, to think about going back to that, you know, health savings account, you know, keep putting deposits in there for, for your future. Um, and also, so you can really thrive in the moment. Absolutely. All right. Quick question. Kombucha, yay or nay? I'm, I'm a big kombucha person. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I even drink the hard stuff. That's actually my go-to alcohol on, on the rare occasions that I do drink alcohol. Good to know. I, I, I have come to find that I, I love kombucha and it's just, it's, as long as it's as, as good for you as it seems to be, then I will continue on that train. I think anything that is like, you know, any of these fermented products, I mean, and, and there probably are some kombuchas that are not so great, right, you know, right. so it's, it's good to get some of the high quality ones, but I mean, there, there are living, it's living healthy bacteria yeah. in the kombucha. Um, I've actually even, you know, brewed it myself for a time period and it's, that's kind of tricky, but it is kind of fun to do. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, anything that you can kind of like, that's living positive bacteria that you put in your body for fermented foods. I'm a big, big fan of. Absolutely. I uh, just, just talking about brewing it. I, I, I grew a SCOBY and then I just kind of let it sit and it got gigantic and it weirded me out. So I, I ended up throwing it away. I do want to make my own kombucha at some point in time because I, I think it'd be great to be able to do so. Yeah, I, I know. I want to get back to it um, at some point too. I, right now I'm really focused on um, growing as much of my own food as possible. Yeah, that's great. So I do that through an aeroponic um, tower garden, which that's is awesome. really awesome because you don't even need soil for it. It grows vertically. You can do it indoor, outdoor, and even in really tiny um, spaces. So that's something else that I really love to um, work with people on is, you know, how can you really control your food sources yeah. um, and do it easily? You know, I, I'm a lazy gardener. I'm the first to ever admit it. So anything that I can do that is really effective, but doesn't require a lot of extra work. Um, I'm all for it. So 
that tower gardens have been one of the things that has been awesome um, for our family because, you know, we just have greens and vegetables and herbs, um, you know, right at our fingertips, right outside our kitchen door. My kids love it. Um, we, their school does it, you know, so that, that there's a lot of tools out there for people to be able to really, you know, embrace and take control of their health, their health, um, and, you know, in a simple way. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to have to try that. Um, I, I, I like trying my hand at gardening, but I've never been quite good at it. So I, I will give that a shot. Um, all right. A couple last questions, uh, before we wrap up here, if there is somebody out there in the world who happens to be listening to this and really resonating with your message or wants to learn more, what resources are, are you looking for to continue growing either in business and in, in life and health? And, you know, if there's, if there's somebody who could lend those resources, what would those resources be? Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, like almost like a business to business yeah. type of resource. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so one thing that I just started to explore is virtual assistant services. Um, just being, you know, a business owner, a busy mom, um, you know, juggling a lot of different things. I feel like for me, learning how to to streamline a lot of my content sharing, offering programs digitally, virtually, obviously what's happened this year in 2020 with COVID and how incredibly drastic a lot of our lives have changed in terms of our interactions, um, you know, any kind of resources and tools and how to do events virtually, things like that would be amazing. Um, because I, you know, I, I used to operate so much in person and do yeah. live events. Um, and so I'm really having to think, creatively on how to get the word out and offer services um, to people in a much different way. Well, there is somebody I would like to connect you with. Uh, she's been a guest on the podcast there. Her name's Anna Bitters, and she herself is not a virtual assistant, but she works with them, and she specializes in a lot of what you just mentioned. So I will connect the two of you offline if that's something you would like. Yeah, that would be amazing. Awesome. And then my final question, uh, my favorite question, as I mentioned to you, books are a huge part of my life. And I always like to know which ones have had the biggest impact on the lives of my guests. Uh, the book you mentioned here, uh, and I'll, I'll let you share it. I've never heard of before, so I'm looking forward to you mentioning it, what it is and, and why it's had such a profound uh, impact. So the book I, I told you about was, is The Unbearable Lightness of Being. It's by Milan Kundera, who is a Czech author. Um, it's an old book. I mean, it's been around for a while. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that has played a big role in my life for probably 25 years. And it's, it's not a self-help book. Um, so it was interesting kind of, you know, digesting some of the information that you've put up and people have shared on your podcast website and all these amazing books and inspirational books. Um, and I love all of that too. Yeah. But what I think what's interesting with a book like Unbearable Lightness of Being is that there are all these different stories woven together throughout this book. But he is such a masterful writer that he will sum up the feelings that his characters are experiencing with these really like profound philosophical statements that 
you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, that I, I he just summed up a feeling that I've had, yes. but I would have no idea how to explain it in this way. And he does that. And so it, it's kind of, I, for me, it was like a coming of age book. It, you know, I read it for the first time in my twenties when, you know, there were a lot of things happening and I was really evolving into adulthood. And I think it would just gave me a lot of perspective. Um, and really the idea of this unbearable lightness of being is that a lot of times we want to numb out or we, we think bliss, you know, ignorance is bliss. And, and so we should remain ignorant and not dig deep into things. And I think that when you recognize that actually when you allow yourself to feel deeply and you deal with the traumas and the burdens and, and things that all of us have happened to us, it, it actually grounds us in this different, in a way that gives weight to our lives. And, and actually we see the importance of certain things. Um, and so that's really kind of what the, the idea behind this is, is that, you know, almost when you like check out from reality, yeah. that it becomes unbearable at a certain point. Like you're just floating through time and, and your life. And you may end up at a point where like, wait a minute there, it doesn't feel meaningful. You don't, you don't have, um, all of these beautiful memories and things. And so it's allowing yourself to like feel the weight of the world. Um, and that actually is what gives meaning to our life. I don't know if that makes any sense, it but makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, 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 those books that offer you a profound way of thinking when they explain it so simply yet it makes just, it just resonates with you on, on, on level that, that is truly unique. Those are my favorite types of books. So I will, I will definitely be picking that book up. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah. I would love to know what you think after, after you read it. Perfect. <laughs> Well, Addie, I really, truly appreciate you coming on the podcast here. If somebody would like to learn more about you, if they would like to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do so? So the best way would be uh, jump over to my website, elevatedmamalife.com. You could also follow me on Instagram at elevatedmamalife. Um, and on my website is, you know, all my contact information, a lot of opt-ins and um, information on some of my, you know, free challenges and and lots of nutrition, you know, daily healthy habit information um, there that you know people can dig into and and see if anything resonates. That's wonderful. Again, thank you so incredibly much, and I really look forward to talking with you again soon because what you're doing is so important, and I really. I, I really want to help you resonate with other people because I, I love seeing people embrace happiness, health, and wellness. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me on. I think what you're doing is is a real gift um, and I'm really grateful to have to have been part of it. Thank you so much. One more time, I would like to extend a huge thank you to Addie for joining me on the Mosaic Life podcast. I highly encourage you to check out her website, elevatedmamalife.com. And of course, I will put all of her links in the show notes. So please be sure to check those out at themosaiclifepodcast.com. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so extremely thankful if you would take a couple moments of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just click that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any future episodes. 
Thank you all so incredibly much for spending an hour of your time with Addy and myself. It means the world to me, and I really hope the information here has a positive effect on your lives. Until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.